You know, I was thinking, at what points of the year does that sort of become kind of odd, feel, or at least feel odd to say in worship? Like, how far do we have to get from Easter? We're saying that doesn't just quite feel right anymore. Is it, are we there? Is it Pentecost? Or is it Christmas? But then at the same time, I was thinking, really, there shouldn't ever be a time in the season of the church year where that feels odd to say. I mean, maybe we'll let it die down a little bit during Lent, during that somber season. But, but really, there should be no time where we should stop saying, He is risen, He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Because after all, it is the resurrection of Jesus. It is His victory over the grave that is the reason we gather each and every week. And, you know, I think what happens from time to time is, is we're tempted to just move on too quickly from Easter. As we, we kind of go through Holy Week and we're in worship day after day, and it seems like we're just tired and burnt out by the time we get to Easter, and we have our celebrations, and then we're just ready to forget it all. To, to move on from, from Easter unchanged, unbothered by what happened. But what we're given each and every year is not just one day of Easter, but actually just as we have 40 days of Lent, we observe 40 days of the Easter season. And what the Easter season invites us to do, what it challenges us to do, is actually live in and be people of the resurrection. And so what we do week in and week out is, is we read over and over again the accounts of Jesus' resurrection. We, we search the scriptures and, and we see there, we read there what Christ has done. We, we listen and, and we walk with the disciples. And we come face to face with the resurrected Jesus. And we're challenged to to embrace this new life that he has brought to all creation. And so this morning we're going to take a look at that reading from Luke chapter 24 that we heard read in our gospel lesson. But first, maybe it's it's deserving of of a little bit of context. You may know that this reading that we picked up this morning, it comes right after that road to Emmaus story. That story where two disciples of Jesus, one of them named Clopas, is they're walking on the or they're walking on this road, making their way to Emmaus. And who comes beside them but Jesus? And, and strangely, they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And he kind of plays plays dumb for a moment, and, and he walks with them, and he talks with them, and they tell him about all of these things that have happened these past days, as if Jesus doesn't know. And he begins to open the scriptures to them. He begins to explain to them how all of these things had to happen. And even as he speaks with them, they still don't recognize him until he sits at the table with them and he takes the bread. And Luke tells us that they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And immediately after this, Jesus, he vanishes from the sight. They sprint 
from where they were staying back to Jerusalem, back to where the disciples were staying. And it's here that the story picks up this morning. Luke writes this. As they were talking about these things, that is, as they were talking about this whole road to Emmaus story, Jesus himself stood among them. And if you're one of those two disciples, you kind of got to be a little annoyed here, right? You just sprinted all the way back to tell the disciples these things. It's like, oh, well, he was coming. And Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. Notice how the disciples, how they're troubled, they're they're terrified, they're worried. And as Jesus appears to them, his first words are not chastisement. They're not beratement. They're not condemnation for them abandoning him at the cross. But Jesus' first words as he appears to his disciples here are peace to you. Jesus comes to these troubled, worried, terrified, doubting disciples and he simply speaks peace. He speaks forgiveness. He speaks reconciliation. He speaks hope. And you notice as as the disciples, as they're they're doubting, as they're struggling, as they're trying to figure out what it is that they're seeing, are are we just seeing a spirit or a ghost or, or what is before us? What is it that Jesus offers to the disciples in the midst of this trouble that they find themselves in? What Jesus offers them is himself. He shows them his hands and his feet. Shows them the holes where the nails held him to the cross. He simply displays to them himself in the midst of their trouble. What Jesus offers to his disciples is not simply good advice, it's himself. Which got me thinking what is it that we look for when we find ourselves in the midst of trouble? And I know that, that we all come here, and, and as much as we'd maybe like to think that, that things are A-OK each and every time we gather and, and sit in the chairs and, and worship, that we bring all sorts of trouble in here with us. We, we bring financial trouble. We bring marital and relational trouble. We bring trouble of, of doubts and, and worries about the future. We bring trouble about guilt and and shame over things that we've done. All sorts of trouble. If there's anything that you can guarantee that is here, it is trouble. Worry, concerns, pain, anguish, all sorts of trouble as we gather here. And what is it that we look for when we find ourselves in the midst of trouble? 
you know, I think oftentimes what we find ourselves looking for, it is simply good advice. We maybe gather and, and we're looking for, for good advice, good directions and, and, and wisdom for, for how we can overcome trouble. So we want five steps to get our finances straight. Five steps to, to fix our marriage. Or, or we, want, we want steps that, that we can walk through and follow to overcome doubts. We want to feel like we have the power to overcome those wrongs that we've done. We come into church so often simply looking for advice. And advice isn't necessarily a bad thing. When our finances are a mess, we probably need a little bit of help. I look to advice for for people who, who know a lot more about money than I do. When our relationships are on the rocks, oftentimes counseling and and intentional work and and advice for our relationships is important and valuable. But you see, what Jesus offers us as we gather to worship Him, it is a whole lot more than just advice. But as we gather together as God's people, what Jesus offers us in our midst It's not advice. It's himself. Time and time again, what Jesus offers to us, just as he did the disciples after his resurrection, is he offers us himself. And in the midst of of all of those troubles that we bring, we have the promise that here Jesus is offering himself to us. In the midst of those financial troubles that we're trying to work out and and follow these steps and and get things in order, Jesus is right there with us, promising His presence, His provision. Promising us that, that even though we may come up short in this life, He calls the poor blessed. He promises that us as His children will inherit His very kingdom. In the midst of those relational troubles, Jesus comes and He offers us Himself. And because He offers us Himself with those nail-pierced hands that hung on the cross, real forgiveness and reconciliation is possible. Not just with God, but with one another. We can stand with one another as people who are forgiven. Real healing, real hope can be offered to marriages, relationships, to families. Because Jesus offers us Himself. We come into worship riddled with doubt. What does Jesus offer us but Himself? He shows us those nails, those nail-pierced hands and feet. He invites us to come to the table where He offers us His body and His blood. He offers that same gift to people burdened by guilt and shame over the things that we've done. And he says, here, take this, eat this, drink this. This is my body and my blood, and I've given it for you for the forgiveness of your sins. There at that meal, he offers us himself so that we would know that our guilt is taken away, our shame is has been born on that cross. Our guilt, it's atoned for. In the midst of our trouble, Jesus, He comes and He offers us nothing short of Himself. 
and his presence with us in the midst of every single trouble we endure. And as Jesus offers himself to us, he also sends us to go into the world and offer that same gift to it. Luke 24, verse 44. After Jesus shows himself to his disciples, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and, the, and that repentance for the re- forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus here, he says he has come to fulfill all that has been written, and now that he has done that, he is sending his disciples into the world to proclaim what he has done so that forgiveness of sins would be made known. So that the Jesus who offers himself to the world would be made known to the world. And just as the disciples were the witnesses of this Jesus who offers himself to us, so now you and I are sent to the same world to be his witnesses. To be the ones who witness to Jesus who has offered himself in the midst of our trouble. Now, there's a certain amount of excitement, I think, that comes with with this life of purpose. Meaning, being sent to the world by the living God, by the resurrected Jesus, the one who's Lord over all creation. He sends you. It's exciting. But it's also kind of terrifying, isn't it? There's some anxiety that comes with being sent. What if I get it wrong? What if I mess it up? What if I say something stupid? Or what if I just flat out get rejected? Sure, being sent can be exciting, but being sent can also be kind of frightening. But you know, I think one, sometimes the reason that being sent can be so frightening is because we've overcomplicated it. That we have to fit everything that the scriptures teach into one conversation. Or that we have to get it perfectly, that, that we have to get everything perfectly ordered and every point of doctrine we have to have bullet points for in every conversation that we have with someone. But I think that there's something that we can do to just simply simplify what it means to be sent. Uh, a pastor that, that I frequently listen to is, is just kind of some of my devotional time during the week. Uh, he recently, I, I heard him put it this way. He, he just says quite simply, he says, here's your evangelism strategy today. Be nice to people. Be ni- I'm going to say it again. Be nice to people. Open your life to them. If the opportunity arises, offer 
to pray for them. And if they ask you why you do this, tell them Jesus is alive and that he loves them. I do believe that that is quite simply what we are being called to when Jesus sends us into the world. We are called to go and just simply be kind. To open our lives in in love and service to the world around us. To live with a, a generous disposition to those that we meet. To open our lives such that, that we can just say to that coworker that maybe is struggling as they've newly relocated to Seattle. Or, or, that, per, or that neighbor that we just haven't had a chance to meet. To, to take them out for a drink. To invite them over for dinner. To just simply open ourselves up to our neighbors in kindness and love and service. And you'll be surprised at the impact that that makes. Because we live in a world that is so frequently unkind. And we live in a world where people are so frequently closed off to others. And as we open ourselves in love and kindness, people will take note of that. And they will open themselves to you and they will share things with you. And you may not have the advice, you may not have the words of wisdom to help them address it, but know what you do have? You have the ear of the Creator. And so you can simply say to that, you know what? I don't know how to handle that. But I'll pray for you. And I'll be there with you as you walk through this trouble. And when they ask why, you don't have to give a perfectly nailed down theological exposition. You can just simply say, the God of the universe came to be with us. He died for us. He rose victorious. And he loves you and wants you to be with him. You simply be kind. Be nice, open our lives, pray, and speak those simple words of our faith. And we just watch the Spirit do the rest. You see, because that's perhaps the best part about Jesus sending us, is he sends us with a promise. That when the Jesus who offers himself to us sends us, he doesn't send us alone. He sends us with the promise of the Spirit dwelling with us, covering us in His resurrection power, giving us the words to speak, and working through our our broken attempts at sharing the gospel. The promise that the Spirit is with us, working through us. We have that promise that each and every step of the way, as we go, as we are sent, Jesus is present with us. So quite simply, people of God, as people who are shaped by the resurrection, our call as people of the resurrection is to simply be people who go. We go with the power of the Spirit. We go with the presence of Jesus. We go with the promise of His forgiveness, His peace, and His hope.
And we go with that gift that no matter the trouble we endure, no matter the burden that we carry, our Lord Jesus offers himself to us and for us. Amen?